number at the same time. Thank you. When the spirit moves, we let the spirit move. Um, en unos momentos la predicación del día va, el pastor va a seguir al frente para darnos la predicación va a ser en inglés pero tenemos todo escrito en español si lo quieren en español las notas del que él tiene por favor cuando él siga, siga para el frente alza la mano y alguien se le trae las palabras para que pueda seguir la, el, el predicamiento um, in a few moments um, we'll be hearing from our pastor our message for today um, if you want to know it in Spanish and you speak Spanish, we do have it in write, um, written out in Spanish for those that would like it. Um, at this time, if you would all rise, please, we're going to read some scripture together, though. We're going to read um, a reading inspired by things from scripture for today. The words will be on the screen. You will follow after me. You guys are congregation. I'm leader. So follow along. Um, vamos a leer juntos unas palabras que están inspiradas por las escrituras. Van a ver que va a decir líder, que soy yo. O congregación, que son ustedes. Okay. And the scripture reading today says, These were the words of the crowds that greeted Jesus. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These were the words of the disciples whose feet he washed. Hosanna, hallelujah. These were the words of the crowds responding to Pilate. Crucify him, crucify him. Estas fueron las palabras de las multitudes que saludaron a Jesús. Hosanna, bendito el que viene en el nombre del Señor. Estas fueron las palabras de los discípulos cuyos pies él lavó. Estas fueron las palabras de las multitudes que respondieron a Pilato. These were the words placed above his head on the cross. The King of the Jews. These were the words after the soldiers cast lots for his clothes, after he was thirsty and received vinegar, after he cried out in desperation, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then gave up his spirit. It is finished. Estas fueron las palabras colocadas sobre su cabeza en la cruz. El rey de los judíos. Estas fueron las palabras después de que los soldados echaron suertes para sus vestiduras, después que tuvo sed y recibió vinagre, después de que él gritó en desesperación, Dios mío, Dios mío, ¿por qué me has abandonado? These were the words from an angel three days later at an empty tomb. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Estas fueron las palabras de un ángel tres días después en una tumba vacía. No es alarméis. Buscas a Jesús Nazareno, que fue crucificado. Se ha levantado. Él no está aquí. He's alive. He's alive. Christ the Lord is risen today. He has conquered death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious new life. He is risen. And in Him Está vivo, está vivo. Cristo el Señor ha resucitado hoy. Ha conquistado la muerte. Y glorioso del Padre, ahora también podemos vivir nuevas vidas. Ha resucitado. You may be seated.
Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this opportunity that you gave us. Thank you for the sacrifice that you did on the cross. Thank you for the salvation and the eternal life. Thank you for the freedom. And thank you for the privilege that we have to worship you with all our hearts. Thank you for your word. Padre, en el nombre de Jesús, te damos gracias por ese sacrificio que tú hiciste en la cruz del Calvario. Gracias por la salvación y la vida eterna que tú nos has dado con ese sacrificio. Gracias por la libertad con la que tú nos das. Gracias por permitirnos adorarte con todo nuestro corazón. Señor, gracias por tu palabra. En el nombre de Jesús. Amén. Brings the pulpit. Just a quick update for those who are part of Good News Bible Church. We've been praying and been asking our Lord to provide funds for three of us to head to Liberia the first two weeks in June. And I want to announce today that all the funds are in. Praise God. So be praying for us as we prepare. Myself, Corwin Rodriguez, and Pastor Eric Rivera from the Brook. What an opportunity to go to Liberia for two weeks and to minister in two different locations to three, four, five hundred pastors. Well, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we rejoice, Father, in all that we have in Christ Jesus. Father, you sometimes overwhelm us with your grace and with your mercy and with your provision for us. Father, we acknowledge your goodness in providing all the funds that were needed for this trip to Liberia. And, oh, Father, we thank you, Father, that that tomb is empty, and today that we come celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, oh, Father, that in him we have life. We thank you, Father, for all that you've given. We pray, Father, that our hearts might be yours. Oh, Father, that you would speak through me. And, Father, that each of our hearts would be tender to you and to your spirit as your word is preached. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, Friday night, if you were here, across the way with Salem Spanish, we left Jesus Christ in the grave. Scripture says that Joseph, a rich man, a new believer in Christ Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. He took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of a rock. Mary and all the ladies from Galilee followed and saw where the body was placed. They went home and began preparing spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time that they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, and so they rested as required by the law. Today, we look at Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, and it says, Very early Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they prepared. 
they found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in. They didn't see the body of Jesus Christ. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember? Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be portrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. That he would again rise on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. And so they rushed back from the tomb to tell the eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. But the story, story sounded so wrong us made no sense to the men but they didn't believe it but Peter Peter jumped up and ran all the way to the tomb and stooping he peered in and he saw the empty linen cloth wrapping then he went home wondering what had happened we know from the rest of the story in Luke and other stories along with 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul says that Jesus Christ was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as scripture said and it goes on Paul says he was seen by Peter then by the twelve and then by more than 500 of his followers at one time Christ is risen the tomb is empty what difference does it make to you, to me? If you were here Friday evening as we celebrated Good Friday, we heard about Herod and Pontius Pilate meeting together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do what God had decided beforehand should happen. Friday night, this tree looked dead. There was no flowers. There was no life. We talked about the fact that long ago, long before Christ was on that cross, that God planted that tree to be used for the cross that Christ was crucified on. That tree on Friday was lifeless. It was dead. Today we see it's alive. Christ was crucified over 2,000 years ago, but the third day he arose. I think too often the significance of the resurrection is overlooked or distorted. Too often it's a celebration of spring and an opportunity to buy new clothes. I know this morning as I was jogging slowly along the 606, I looked up at one of the condos and there was a big cutout of what? Another cross, a big Easter bunny. A big Easter bunny. Was I prepared for this weekend? I did some of my own personal research about what people think about Easter. I went to Walgreens. I looked at all their Easter cards over there on North Avenue and Western. 
Out of about 34, 35 Christmas card, uh, Easter cards, 22 out of 35 had the Easter bunny or Easter eggs or little chicks on it. Eight had flowers and that springtime theme. Three were religious without a reference to Jesus Christ, to the cross or his death or burial or resurrection or the empty tomb. There was one, one out of 35, that had a cross. But the sad thing is there's, there's no mention of the resurrection or the empty tomb or even of Jesus Christ. It's pretty much a spring is here theme there. Again, too often the significance of the resurrection is downplayed. We, we gather together and we acknowledge that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But what impact did it have and does it have on your life and on my life? For you're honest, in our culture, the Easter eggs and the bunnies win hands down when it comes to Jesus Christ, the cross of Calvary, the empty tomb. There are definitely some in our culture who have a problem with the resurrection or the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. But I think, you know, the greatest problem that our culture has is that we fail to recognize that without Jesus Christ, that we're dead. We're dead. Just as dead as that tree was Friday night. Dead. Dead in our transgressions and sins. Eternally lost and separated from God. Apart from the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. And because of that, I want to communicate the significance of the resurrection today by addressing the necessity that each of us have. We must recognize that we are dead in our transgressions and sin. And because of that, I want us to look today at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. In the first three verses, we'll see who we are without Christ Jesus. What life is like apart from Christ. Verses 4 through 9, we'll see that what God has done for us through Christ's death burial and resurrection and we have life in verse 10 we see who we have become and our purpose in life in verse 1 it starts out immediate we see our conditioning without Christ you were dead in your your trespasses and sin dead prior to our coming to Christ we weren't in danger of death we weren't in danger of God's wrath. We weren't sick with sin. No, we were dead. Dead. And God's wrath was already on us. There's an old saying back home. I don't know whether you guys ever heard it. But down south there's a saying, we're dead as a doornail. Dead as a doornail. And I'm not sure what a doornail has to do with it, but the idea was it's dead. And we were dead. Not kind of dead. We were dead. In our transgressions and in our sins. 
There's no saying that we didn't look dead. We didn't act dead. We spoke like everyone else that was alive in Christ. We moved around very much alive as anyone else. We didn't look, if you watch the program, The, the Walking Dead. Non-believers don't look like The Walking Dead. But without Christ, we're dead. Dead. Now, transgressions and sins. And notice the first one says, You, you, you were dead. It's easy, isn't it, for us to look at the faults of other people and to minimize ours? When we finally get beyond that dead part, we begin to persuade ourselves that it's not a reference to us. It's for that drunk, that wife beater, that drug addict, the prostitute, those who live ungodly lives. And we tend to overlook the, our anger, our lust, our greed, our envy. It's easy to point out the pervert or the adulterer when we ourselves were, or maybe still are, consumed with lust. There's no advantage to pointing to the murderer when we ourselves are overwhelmed with anger and rage. But even death doesn't describe our condition before Christ. In verses 2 and 3, we see that we were slaves to sin. Verse 2 and 3, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. That's how we lived without Christ. We followed the culture of the world and his priorities, following Satan. And of course, we lived in the passions of our flesh. We gratified our selfish desires. By the end of verse 3, we're shown that not only are we dead, but not only are we enslaved in our sins, we're condemned. Verse 3 says that by nature, we're children of wrath. The New Living Translation says that we were subject to God's anger. Prior to our faith in Jesus Christ, we were dead. Notice first, one says that you were dead. As believers, we were dead, but now, not so. Verses 4 through 7, we see the hope after seeing the truth of who we are. Yes, we were dead. Yes, we were enslaved to sin. Yes, we're condemned. But in 4 through 7, we see the hope that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see what God has done through the resurrection. You were dead, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ.
You were dead. But God made us alive. In my Bible, I've got dead, straight line down to but God. Another straight line to made alive. You see, we were dead. But God. God intervened. He made us alive in Christ because of the resurrection today that we're celebrating. He made us alive. He's given us eternal life. Not only has He made us alive in Christ, He's united us in Christ. There's a clear allusion in verses 4 through 6 to Jesus Christ's resurrection, His ascension into heaven. It says, But God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were dead, but God made us alive, united us with Christ, seated us in the right hand in the heavens. Notice the passage doesn't say that we will be raised or will be seated But we are. We are because we are in Christ. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, God unites us and we don't understand it all. But when Christ rose from the dead, we rose with Him. We ascended with Christ into heavenly places. We often read in the New Testament passages that talk about being in Christ and all the blessings we have in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 is a powerful example of that. Ephesians 1.1 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. In Christ we have redemption through His blood. In Christ... We've attained an inheritance. In Christ, you are sealed with a promised Holy Spirit. As believers, we are united with Jesus Christ. The resurrection makes a difference in our lives. Romans 1, 4 says, Since we have been united with Him in death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We've seen who we are in Christ or without Christ. Without Christ, we're spiritually dead. We're slaves to sin. We're condemned. We've seen what Christ has done for us. Made us alive. Raised us up. Placed us in the heavenlies. Did Christ save you or me because... We were more spiritually mature than others? Were we just a little more wise and understood what Scripture says better? No. No. Romans 3, verses 10 through 12 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You see, those of us who are in Christ, who have been raised up with Christ, it's all because of His grace 
and His mercy. Because we have no desire for Him in our dead state. Verses 4 and 5, we see God's motive. It says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive in Christ, by grace you have been saved. We weren't saved because we were good. Romans 5 says it. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. Now, it wasn't because we're good or righteous or wise. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. It was his deep love. For us, even when we deserved condemnation, God's wrath. Again, we see God's grace in verses 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith. It's not of your own thing, doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. If we're in Christ today, it's because of His grace, because of His mercy that we are saved. We see who we are without Christ. Spiritually dead, slaves to sin, condemned. We see what God has done for us through Christ and resurrection. He made us alive in Christ. We see God's motive, His deep love. Finally, in verse 10, we see who we are in Christ and our purpose in life. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think about it earlier. We once walked in our trespasses and sin. And God intervened, giving us life and hope. In Christ Jesus. It says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. What a difference the resurrection makes. We once walked in trespasses and sin. God saves us. He intervenes in our lives that we might walk in good works that He had prepared beforehand. The resurrection makes a difference in our lives. Without Christ, we're dead. Without Christ, we're helpless and hopeless. Without Christ, we're enslaved to sin and condemned. We see the power and results of the resurrection. We who once walked in trespasses and sin now walk in good works by His grace. Hebrews 9, 27 says... It's appointed for men and women to die once. And after that comes judgment. That's an appointment that no one can skip. No one can postpone. It's an appointment that brings fear to many of us. I remember as a sixth grader back in Alabama, Greg Williams had seizures 
often, and my classmate, and my teacher placed me behind him because sometimes in the midst of these seizures, he would fall over and hurt his head. As a matter of fact, he often had sores on his head from falling. One time he fell, and I caught him, but he died. Now, I remember as a sixth grader having these nightmare dreams and, 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 and wanting so much to wake up and see Greg Williams was actually alive and it's all just a big bad dream. See, that's my first experience with death of someone close. After that, my sister Kathy died. Just blew up over 40. Then my brother Steve died before he was 40. Later my dad died from cancer. My mom was next. Along the way, I've lost other loved ones, uncles and aunts. Recently, a sister-in-law. One day, I'll die. One day, each of you will die. See, death shocks us. It, it scares us. It sobers us up. And when we stand at an open casket of someone that we love, the reality of death hits Cemeteries aren't much better. I can tell you, leaving the funeral home or leaving the church and going to that graveside service and watching sometimes family shovel the dirt on that casket that's been dropped down into the grave is such a frightening thing because it's so final. You see, death makes us face of mortality. It frightens us because instinctively we know that someday we too will die. Most of us, I'm sorry, most of all, death makes us think, what are my priorities? What's my purpose in life? There are fears related to that fear of death. We fear dying alone. We fear dying a painful death. I mentioned a while ago, my dad died from cancer. He, di- he was one who died from tremendous, excruciating pain. I don't want to die like that. But I don't know how to die. We fear death because we fear the unknown. Death is the ultimate unknown. We fear even though we may be in Christ, we fear standing before God. And so, we do whatever we can to avoid death at all costs. We live our lives as if we're never going to die. We turn to sex or to drugs or to alcohol or we bury ourselves in work. But death will come. Death is no respecter of persons. If someone has said the statistics are overwhelming, one out of every one person will die someday unless Christ returns. No one gets a free pass. See, Satan has that power over death. And every time you pass a graveyard, it's kind of like a silent reality of Satan's power. But Jesus Christ has broken that power. He did it over 2,000 years ago by rising from the dead. 
1 Corinthians, again, verses 3 and 4, Paul says that Christ died for our sins according to Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. And because of that, he defeated death. Sure, right now the devil still has the power of death. We'll all die someday. But Satan has been made powerless over believers because if we know Jesus Christ, we're risen with him. And though we die physically, you won't stay dead forever. I love that song that we sang Friday night at Good News. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. He lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. Jesus broke the bondage of death by delivering us from the fear of death. Sometimes I admit it, I think about my death. I don't think about it all the time, but I admit, sometimes it's not something I look forward to. I'd much rather live for quite a while. There are some of you who say I'm pretty old. I don't think so. By God's grace, I want to live more. I might die in an automobile accident. I might die through a stroke. My twin brother, a couple months ago, had two strokes, and he lived through them. Talked to him yesterday. He's doing fine. But I know people who die from strokes. I might have a heart attack. I might just grow old and die in my sleep. And I'd like that. But I don't know how I'll die. But I'm sure of this. Because of God's grace, I believe that I will see Christ and He will welcome me into heaven. Not because I deserve it. No, I don't deserve it. I'm so aware of my sinfulness. I'm so aware of how I fall short. Isaiah 64, 6 says that our good works are like filthy rags. My hope of heaven is based on what Jesus Christ did on that cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. His death, His burial, and His resurrection provided the sacrifice for my sins and yours. His blood covered all my sins and He has given me His righteousness. When I think about what we have in Christ, I rejoice. I think of the Old Testament saints and Hebrews 10 talks about the fact how the Old Testament priest would offer these sacrifices repeatedly again and again year after year for they're never able to offer full forgiveness instead these sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year after year verse 4 says for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But just a few verses down, verse 14, it says, By one sacrifice, He, Christ Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. One sacrifice. He sat down in His body. 
if you're here this morning without Jesus Christ, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'm not saying if you, if you don't come to church or you don't remember, I'm saying if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, today's the day. Today's the day. Don't play around. Don't play around. If you're without Christ this morning, you're spiritually dead. You're helpless. You're enslaved and you're condemned. But, but there's hope. Jesus Christ died for our sins. And through faith in the fact that He died on the cross for our sins, that He rose from the dead, we can have forgiveness. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we may be delivered from the wrath of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 make it so very clear. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is a gift of God and not a result of works so that no one can boast. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. It's totally by grace the Lord Jesus Christ, His mercy, it will come to faith in Him. For those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He has broken the chains of sin that held us in bondage. He set us free. He's given us life in Christ Jesus. He's made us His children. He did it for a reason. We're saved to serve Him. May each of us Look to God, and may God give us each a passion to live for and to serve Him. Consider these words from the Heidelberg Catechism, written back in 1563. Question one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Answer. That I am not my own but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Looking back, we started off looking at Luke 24. When the women returned to the grave of Jesus over 2,000 years ago, His body was not there. The tomb was empty. And the angel said to the women, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. We don't believe in the resurrection of the dead because of anything that we can see with our eyes. Everything argues against it that we can see. People die all the time. And I can't think of a resurrection recently. Can you? I don't remember seeing anyone rise up. 
But we believe in the resurrection of the saints because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Repeat that one more time. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Know the hymn I love. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Have your sins been washed away by the blood of Jesus? If so, then rejoice and give thanks to God. But the answer is no, or if you're not sure, open your heart today to Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus now. Run to the cross. If someone has said, embrace the bloody cross of Jesus. Trust the one who shed his blood for you. Oh, may you look to Christ today. Let's pray. Our Father, we come. We come rejoicing, Father.